When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, welcome in. We are live at the Club Tavern and Grill on North 7th Avenue inside the Best Western Grand Tree Inn in Bozeman. We are glad you are with us on one of the 14 Bobcat Radio Network stations around Montana or on the TuneIn app on your smartphone. Coming up in a little bit, we'll talk with running backs coach Denarius McGee along with Logan Jones and Isaiah Afonso. But first, let's welcome in the head coach of the Bobcats, Jeff Choate. Thank you. Happy Halloween. So is your daughter, JC, is she too old to dress up oh, no. and trick-or-treat? No, she's, uh, she's all about the dressing up for Halloween. Thing. She's a freshman in high school. I think that's probably like the cutoff maybe, mm-hmm. you know, until you become an adult, which because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm amazed. You, you know, social media is just covered with the adult. I mean, what <laughs> happens to people like between 25 and like 40, whatever, <laughs> it's like a license to just do whatever you want. And uh, so God bless you. You know, hey, do whatever you want. Halloween. So I'm curious, when you were a kid, what was your favorite Halloween costume? I had the same Halloween costume every single Halloween that I can ever remember. Um, I was Randy White of the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> love it. every single Halloween. And, and why, why would you do anything different? He was the manster. So, you know. That's awesome. What about Jory? We'll take a minute to... Uh, oh, God. He's, he, Jory's so... I mean, he's like <laughs> over here. I mean, he, he's he's pretty Republican when it comes to the Halloween thing. So, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know that he was really into any of that. I think he, you know, he was the kid that took a pillowcase and knocked on the door and had like, you know, fake teeth he threw in his mouth instead of <laughs> trick or treat. So... He's pretty, he's pretty low-key that way. Well, very good. I, I enjoyed uh, your entrance in here tonight. Uh, the fans here who got to see it in person, it was great. We'll not address it any further, but it was hilarious. Um, so that's, it, it pays to come to Cat Chat. Yeah, the big sky, the big sky does monitor a lot, of, uh, a lot of the coaches' shows, and that's so it's right. probably a good idea that we, we, we keep that one in-house. Oh, boy. So uh, last Saturday, we'll talk a little bit about last week's game. Idaho State, a 24-7 loss, or 24-17 loss, actually. You fell down 24-7. to The guys really dug deep. 
and rallied in that fourth quarter. What did you make of the results that the team showed late in that game? Yeah, the same thing I see with these guys all the time. I mean, there's 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 a core group of young men on this team that are just really, really strong competitors. Um, you know, I could list them off, but I think you, those of you that follow us closely know exactly who they are. And uh, we spent a little bit of time on Sunday kind of, kind of talking about what it means to be clutch. You know, guys that you make the plays that make the game. You're the one that wants the ball in your hands when the game's on the line. Or you're the one that's going to step up and make a play on the defensive side or in the kicking game. And, um, you know, we, we put ourselves in that situation. I mean, we clearly missed opportunities in that game that would have made uh, a big difference down the stretch in terms of our strategy, in terms of how we our, the scoring margin was a big part of that because uh, the deficit required us to get a touchdown in that particular situation. We missed two field goals. Uh, we missed a touchdown opportunity, um, and and there was there was things that we did to ourselves that we've got to we've got to learn from and grow from. But you can't take away from these young men the way they fought in that that fourth quarter in particular, and and uh, as you said, the resolve that they showed. It was the first game for Matt Miller calling the plays, coordinating the offense, developing the game plan. What was your evaluation of the day that he had? Thought Matt was fearless, man. I mean, he just did his thing. You know, really from. Uh, I think there's maybe, you know, you go through any game and you call any game uh, as a defensive coordinator, as an offensive coordinator, you're always going to have a handful of plays that you want back. Um, and, and I know there's probably a handful of plays that he would like to have back. But you know what? I was just really proud of the fact that we said, you know, we stood in front of the team on Thursday and we said, this is what we're going to do. And, uh, and and we did everything that we said we were going to do. Now, uh, you know, some of the shots that we took didn't result in, in, in completions, but uh I think that sent the right message to our team, and that was a really, really a big part of why I did it. Was I just felt like we needed that that new voice, and, and I think Matt's going to continue to grow. I can already see it was almost like, you know, week one he's you know drinking out of a fire hose, and he's like terrified. And then week two you get like, hey, enough already, buddy. All right, let's reel it in here. Okay, come on, Andy Reid, let's go back off a little bit. And uh, we, we had some fun with that yesterday. I said I think we might have a little too much in this game plan, and so. Um, but I, you just see his confidence building, and I think it's like he even told me, he's like, I just got to get through this first week, and I'll be fine. And he, and he is. He's great. And you mentioned you took more shots downfield. What did that do to loosen up things for the rest of the offense? Because, I mean, obviously you take the shot downfield, they can't load the box the way teams have. Yeah, and one of the things that, that it did was they didn't, they didn't play less, less uh, split safety defense. They actually played more post safety defense. They tried to keep that guy in the deep post because we kept attacking the deep post. But – they have to spin a guy down to one side or the other when they do that. And so now we can get a good picture in the run game of where, where our numbers advantage is going to be. And I think that helped us a ton. Um, you know, I mean, it, you got to keep teams honest. And it's not a, like, you know, I mean, it's always been said, you know, it, you, you, it's not about completing those plays sometimes. It's about them knowing that you're willing to take that opportunity. And then it was Troy's best passing day of the season. I, I, I don't know if necessarily in yards, but in terms of completed passes, he, it was one of his better throwing days of the season. What did you make just of how he and, and Coach Miller operated together during yeah. that game? Yeah, I think one of the things that really hurt Troy in this whole quarterback development thing was missing those two games with his hand um, and really kind of not being in that mode where he could kind of learn from what he did in week one and build on that in week two and week three. I mean, it was week four before we got him back in a quarterback situation. And the style that we were playing that week against Portland State really didn't dictate that he threw the ball a whole lot. And uh, at that point in time, Tucker Robig had kind of elevated and, and, and emerged as a guy that we knew we could count on in the passing game. And um, it, it just was a weird – it's weird how all that kind of went down. And so I think he's just getting comfortable. And I will say this. I, you know, Matt and, Matt and Troy are two very similar people. Um, they're both extremely intelligent. They're both, you know, at, tremendously athletically gifted um, they're probably two of the 
in terms of high school kids that have come out of the state of Montana, those two are probably two. I, I wouldn't even say probably. I mean, they've got to be the best in the conversation of the best five guys that come out of the state of Montana in the last probably 35, 40 years as high school athletes. And so I think they kind of they kind of relate to one another in that way. And I think he's had a calming influence on on Troy and, and, and also boosted his confidence. What about the rest of the offense? What did you make of just how that side of things performed? I mean, you start hot, you finish well, a little bit of a gap in the middle. What was your overall evaluation of the offense on Saturday? I, I think there were two things that stood out to me. Number one, um, we were able to sustain drives, which is, and it, you know, even that's, that's the positive. We sustained drives. The negative was the red zone. And whether it was penalties, drop passes, missed field goals, those were the things that killed us in this game. And those red zone, those red zone mistakes just get magnified. They do, and and uh, you know, I mean, a turnover in the red zone is a 14-point swing potentially, and uh, a missed field goal, you know, that's a, that's a six-point swing potentially or more, depending on what the offense on the opposing team does on it with that. So, those were things that I really felt like um, were not the things that were positive for us. We had some pro- I, I, one thing I did not anticipate, and I've been in that facility. I mean, I've probably been in that facility 30 times, you know playing high school games, coaching high school games, coaching wrestling, wrestling in there. And I never had noticed how, and it's not really the crowd noise. They have their PA system that sits right over the 50-yard line. And that guy was on point. I mean, he was, you know, it's a third out. And you're like, oh, my God, we got to go to silent count because we can't hear a daggum thing, you know. And it wasn't really the, it was the artificial noise that caused the issues for us. And, uh and then we had some motions, and that there, that there was just like something we didn't anticipate. And now, you know, getting a chance to go back there in a couple, of, you know, whatever it is, going to be nine years with the Big Sky <laughs> scheduling pattern. Um, you all know, hey, we've got to have a different plan going in, and that did affect us. The defense had a great day. It seemed like they really limited an otherwise explosive Idaho State offense. The only team this year to have held them to fewer points than your guys was a Pac-12 defense in Cal. How did the defense perform after you've looked at it on film? I thought they were great. I mean, we made them earn it between the between the 20s, so to speak. But I do think another thing that stood out to me was, you know, I talked about our inability to, to capitalize on opportunities in the red zone on offense. I, I think we've got to be better. We've got to be better inside the 20. We've got to start limiting teams to more field goal opportunities. And, and we had one busted coverage that resulted in a, in a touchdown. Uh, we had them on a fourth down. You know, after we, after we attempted the fake punt, we got them to a fourth down. I mean, I don't even know, you know what to tell our guys. That we got the guy down, and he's falling down, and he flips the ball to another guy, and they end up getting a first down, and two plays later they score. Um, we had a third and one where we jumped off sides. I mean, I think that was what it was. It was just lack of poise and composure. And that's really one of the things I talked about these guys before going into this game was you know, being, being disciplined and poised in critical moments in the game. And I thought that was, that was a problem for us. We had eight penalties. It was one of our most penalized games of the year. They were not big penalties. They were mostly procedure penalties and – uh, we actually had fewer penalty yards, but we had twice as many penalties. They had big penalties, 15-yard penalties. We had small ones, but those small ones can be hugely impactful. They can take away big plays, and I think our, our red zone defense was not what it needed to be uh, as, as, as our red zone offense struggled to too. I mean, you look at it and you go, look, okay, what do you got to do to win a game? Time of possession, we win. First downs, we win. Total yards, we win. Turnover margin, we win. We stunk in the red zone on both sides, and that was the difference in the game. Idaho State's big play wide receivers never really got going. Great, uh, Mitch Guller was shut down, and for the most part, Michael Dean had such a rough go, but they had to move him back to running back to try to kickstart him a little bit. Greg Filer and Jalen Cole and the rest of the secondary really seemed to lock those guys down. I, I can't say enough about the job those guys did. I mean, 
literally going to this game. So they played Liberty, which is a, a transitioning FCS school that's going up to FBS. They're actually FBS right now. They'll be in the Sun Belt next year. They're operating as an independent this year. Um, so they have 85 scholarships, and, and they're out in Virginia, and Idaho State goes out to Virginia. you got to remember, Michael Dean had 210 yards of receiving against this team. Idaho State racked up 600-plus yards of total offense against this team a week, the week before we play them. So I'm going, yeah, you know, good God. What are we going to do to stop these guys? Well, we're going to put, you know, Munchie over here on number two, and we're going to put little Jalen Cole over here on number 20, and we're going to keep our fingers crossed, right? And those guys performed admirably. I mean, they really did. They did a tremendous job. They stepped up to the challenge. I mean, they were excited about it. Like, what I love about the, I love about those kids is, you know, that's what it means to be a competitor. Oh, you think he's good? I'm good, too. Let's go. And, uh, and they, were, they were up to the challenge. Uh, like you said, I mean, we basically eliminated Michael Dean from the game completely. The only long pass that that uh, that Guller had, I think, should be disputed and, and widely is that he probably was not in bounds. And uh, we had a guy that was on the ball that made the call, and then we had a guy 40 yards away that blew it off. Uh, and so, you know, you live with it. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, we were fortunate enough to still get a stop and have the ball back to go down and potentially win the game at the end. But um, I just can't say enough about the job those guys did. That's a, that was a huge challenge in that game. Shifting gears now, looking forward to this week. Cal Poly comes to town. First time you guys have been in ho- at home in about three weeks. And Cal Poly presents a unique challenge. They run the triple option offense, a quarterback, a dive back, a couple of wing backs. Almost exclusively run. They do keep the defense on its toes with an occasional pass. What are the challenges to stopping an offense like this? It just takes a lot of discipline. I mean, you can't get enough reps. And, you know, nobody else does it, which is why they do it. And, uh, I mean, you don't... <laughs> You know, usually there's going to be carryover, right? There's going to be some level of carryover between, okay, somebody, they run inside zone, they run power, they run counter, they run, you know, a drive concept, a curl flat concept, whatever it is. I mean, there's almost always carryover in some way, shape, or form when you're playing an offense. Um, and really, there's just not a lot of carryover. This is such a unique style. And so you, when you have to prepare for this style, it takes, it, it takes a lot of effort on the defensive staff's part to formulate a tight plan because you can't do a lot if you do a lot you will be out of position a lot and you will get exposed and so the tight the plan has to be tight it has to be very concise and you've got to do it over and over and over again and, and really our scout team is probably one of the most important groups on our team this week our, our offensive scout team and how well they can simulate what they're going to what what uh, cal poly is going to give us in the option attack and uh they're a they're a veteran team they've got a quarterback that's been in the system a long time They've got a, a fullback and and uh, and the pro throw kid who well, I don't even know if he's a kid anymore. Um, <laughs> he's a he had an injury. He's a sixth year senior, and so he's he's done this thousands and thousands of times. And so they're very very good at what they do. When you and I were visiting yesterday, you used a term option defense. I mean, it's like it, it's a thing that exists. Describe option defense and how it's different than what you might play against a different kind of system. Yeah, a lot of times you're going to set a defense either directionally or formationally, meaning that you're going to say, okay, you guys are going to the field, you guys are going to the boundary. So that would be an example of a directional defense. And then formational defense a lot of times is, you know, you've got guys that go to the strong side of where maybe the tight end is and guys that go away from the tight end or the weak side. In an option defense, they come out in a balanced set most of the time. They have their fullback behind the quarterback, the two wings, and the two wide receivers, the flankers. And so everything's already balanced for you. And what you've got to do is you've got to be balanced in that regard as well, but you've got to take care of things from the inside out. Everything in terms of option defense starts by stopping the dive. And so you're going to have different configurations to your defensive line than you would have 
on a team that's going to formation you. They're going to have the strength of the offense on one side, so you shift the defense that way. That doesn't happen when you're running option defense. You've always got to be able to defend all three phases, the dive first, the quarterback second, and the pitch third. And so everything has to be really balanced. And uh, we, we use different line of scrimmage alignments, our, our fronts. Our linebacker alignments are different. Our linebacker keys are different. Our secondary rotation is different. And so it's very, it's very complex in terms of uh, the nuances between a conventional offense and, an, and defending an option offense. When they do look to throw the ball, what are they generally trying to do with it? I mean, is it a short, intermediate, long? Do, how do they mix it up in the passing game? Yeah, it kind of depends on where they're out on the field. Uh, when they get closer to the red zone, there's more shots down into the end zone. If, it's, uh, if they're kind of between the 30s, uh, there's some intermediate stuff, whether it be uh, kind of conventional play action like waggle or boot, or uh, or they'll run a lot of comebacks where they'll run guys off, run guys off, and then just come back, 15-yard comeback or sit. The quarterback's actually a better thrower than um, than most people would think. Uh, and uh, number six, the Koski kid, he's kind of the one guy you really got to pay attention to in the pass game. Not that they won't throw the ball to somebody else, but the, I think he's got a, a you know 40 40 something receptions on the season. The next closest guy only has four. And so that's a huge difference between the two. And, and so you always got to know where number six is on the field. And then what do you make of their defense? It seems like they've got pretty good linebackers. It's the 93rd week in a row you face a team with pretty decent linebacking play. Mm-hmm. No, I think those two guys inside do a nice job for them. Very, very aggressive safeties. I mean, you're going to see their boundary safety number eight. If you fake, if you fake the run, he's going to be on a dead sprint into the boundary B gap. I mean, he, it's, it's, it's amazing how quickly he's going to trigger. And so we're going to have to account for an extra hat in the gap. Um, I think he will probably trigger even faster than he normally would against us. And so that's something that we've got to account for, and we've got to have some counter punches in that regard. But uh, I, the thing that stands out to me is that they're, they're a little bit undersized on the defensive line, but they're very active. They're going to do a lot more movement. Like Idaho State last year, they had those, the last week rather, they had those three 300-pounders in there. They just kind of went boom and didn't move. I mean, it was just like we're going to wad the, wad the field up with our mass. And uh, with Cal Poly, they do it sometimes with movement. Uh, that that can kind of create a little bit of a high risk reward. I mean, there's they they get some negative plays, but they have given up not so much in the pass game. I think their corners are very good. Their safeties, even though they're active in the run game, they do a nice job of keeping the ball in front of them. Uh, but they've given up a lot of explosive run plays. Well, it'll be a fun one on Saturday. Montana State and Cal Poly, our broadcast on the Bobcat Sports Network, takes the air at 1 o'clock. Kickoff is set for just after 2. When we come back, it is running back night. Denarius McGee is here along with Logan Jones and Isaiah Afonso. They join us next. This is Cat Chat from Learfield. Cat Chat continues live from the Club Tavern and Grill, the official home of Cat Chat every Wednesday night at 6.30. Tonight, our featured position group is running backs. Let's welcome to the program. Running backs coach Denarius McGee, along with a senior from Kalispell, Montana, Logan Jones, and a freshman from Bellevue, Washington, Isaiah Afonso. Guys, how are you? Great. Good. All right, Denarius, let's start with you. What has been the challenge for you in moving from quarterbacks coach, the position you played, to running backs coach, a position you did not play? Most importantly is the details of the position. But I've had great help with Coach Choate. Coach Choate has coached running backs um, numerous times in his career. So he's been a great help um, as well as the guys that I've played for and, and also coached with in the past eight, nine years. How have you gone about learning like the little nuances and the details of running back position that a guy that played that spot would know that maybe somebody who didn't play it would know? Hard work, studying. And um, just understanding, like, the aiming points and all of that is similar to a quarterback when he's 
running the ball like power, counter, all of that is a gap off the last down block, then the inside hip of the puller. So it's same things, but just understanding the mindset the running backs need to have is something that I required I've acquired from from the guys that that I've learned from. Do you have to communicate things differently to running backs compared to how you would with a quarterback? Yes, definitely. How so? You know what? Um, it's not as you, you you give the big picture, but you give more details to the to the running backs as far as their footwork goes and all that. Same thing, similar to a quarterback, but the quarterback has to know everything that's going on on the field. So you kind of compartmentalize the information and you give them what they need. Year two back in Bozeman for you as a full-time position coach. How much more settled and comfortable do you feel now with a full season and a half now under your belt? Uh, much more comfortable. In what ways? You know what? Um, just the day-to-day operations of things and then understanding yeah, the mindset we have as a team, what we're trying to accomplish as a team, but then offensively as a whole, how the position in which I coach um, can help with those goals. So we had Coach Orfe on a few weeks ago, and we asked him about his experience with the Minnesota Vikings. Fans are just going to have to indulge me for a little while because you went with the Kansas City Chiefs during this past July. What was your experience like in your internship there with them? Those guys are extremely detailed in their coaching. That's something that I've learned. They coach every single detail, and starting with Andy Reid. He does a, does a great job with um, the, off, the offensive position specifically. He's in the quarterback's room quite a bit, um, receivers, all the skill positions. So a lot of the details that they coach, it's small little things that help each position. It's top-notch, and um, we definitely we do a lot of that here at Montana State as well. I was going to say, in a broad sense, what did you take from that experience that has helped make you a better coach? Details. Number yeah. one is, is details, and, and I learned a lot about the details of the running back position from Coach McCullough as well, asking a lot of questions. Do you spend more time with quarterbacks or running backs while you were there? Um, both, but I was in the quarterback's room just a little more. But, um, yeah, running backs, definitely a lot. I remember talking with you in August, and I asked you, about Patrick Mahomes and what he could be. And, I mean, fan, he's been become a phenomenon in the NFL with what he has done in the first eight weeks of the season. What was it that you saw in him that, I mean, you said it was coming. You told me that you saw this coming in him. What was it about him that told you that he could be as good as he's been? Number one, drive. He's a relent- And he's a relentless competitor. Number two, arm talent. How much of what you learned there was about X's and O's? Versus how much was it organizational administrative stuff? More X's and O's probably than anything else in details of each position. What surprised you the most about the whole NFL experience? That they spend lots of time um, with the nuances of each position and schematically on being creative. Now, in meetings, did you have a chance to speak up or were you just there to listen, absorb information, and learn? Well, you could do both. They allowed you to do both, but I was there to learn. Let's talk about these guys you have here with you, Logan Jones and Isaiah Afonso, guys that you're around all the time. Tell us about what these two guys bring to the room, how they're different, how they're similar. Both are relentless competitors, and both are great team players. They also, Logan is more of a speed guy. Um, I would say Isaiah is all-purpose. He's an all-purpose running back, and he's tough. Logan's the same thing, tough downhill guys but um, I think 
in the room. They bring lots of hard work. They set the set the tone for the running backs and how to study. And I was very, very impressed by that with Isaiah coming in as a freshman that he studied the game so much and he understands um, all of his reads as a running back. So I was very impressed with that. And then Logan, he brings it each and every day. I mean, anything you're asking him to do for the team, he's going to do it and he's going to do it full speed. Logan, welcome back. It's good, good to, to have that. you back, for sure. How nice was it to uh, how nice was it to get back on the field last week? Oh, it felt so good. I mean, I was getting a little chippy. Got to you know talk a little smack to those guys. It was nice. <laughs> get out there, be dog. You know, many were surprised at the start of fall camp when it was announced that you had been injured. Take us through what happened and kind of the timing of how it all went down. Well, I was just it was, it was working out, and then I felt a pretty good pop in my groin area. Um, it did, it hurt pretty good. And then, but what sucked is it, it was seven days from fall camp, I think, or it was nine or seven days from fall camp. And it was just really, it was a pretty big letdown. I was, I told coach show too. I went into his office, talked to him. I said, I honestly, I, I was pretty depressed from him. I was down because I worked so hard all summer. And then I worked hard all winter. And yeah, I mean, I didn't work, didn't put all that work in just to sit out and watch. So, I mean, it, I can't tell you how good it feels to be back and just, even just to be back with the team, just all the humor and the camaraderie we have and just um, getting closer with them again. It's just, it feels so good. When you suffer an injury like that, it's not like an ACL or some other type of injury. What is the healing, the recovery process like for that? Well, yeah, that's one thing. When I went to Pocatello and talked to the doctor there, he's like, you got to get ready because there's not a lot of rehab you can do on a torn muscle or anything like that. So I was like, okay, well, and then I slowly started to realize, like, damn, he was right. Like, this is really, <laughs> really boring. So I just could, all I could do was sit around, and I went to, I would go watch fall camp, and then they would tell me to go sit down. So it was sunny out, so I'd take a shirt off, go sit down, <laughs> watch, at least work on my tan, you know? <laughs> hey, Montana, we don't get a ton of sun, so I better soak it up, right? So how did you stay engaged? <laughs> hey. <laughs> How did you go about staying engaged while you were on the sidelines? Yeah, just just that, just going to practice, watching. Um, just I was going to the meetings a little bit, just trying, just trying to do whatever I could do to stay engaged. I mean, once that happens, it's kind of hard. It just sucks, but I just I was doing everything I could. Um, just watching. I mean, on these guys' away games too. You know, obviously I'd watch on TV, and some things you just. I'd, cussing at like oh you got mad but i don't know i was just trying to stay engaged as possible and just you know be as much of the team as i could be if i'd asked you this question at the end of spring ball i'm certain your answer would have been far different now but what are your goals now for your senior season well this year the goal is one game at a time obviously you know um one game at a time just focus on the very small things we can do like right now i think that our biggest thing we just need to focus on having good practices each and every day and just take it one day at a time because this is really crunch time for us now i'd say um it's just and we need to work on the just the very small minute things like one thing is troy he's doing really well he's coming to the huddle as i'm noticing he's taking a lot more command of it so that's good to see our our whole offense is just being a lot more we have a lot more energy um so that's good to see um for my goals for my senior year is just have fun, you know, it's just, it's a game. It's, it's what it's all about, right? Just enjoy it and 
Um, I'm gonna try and make Coach Choate's life a little harder, Coach McGee's life a little harder here. <laughs> keep him, keep him having fun. You know, that's what it's all about. It's a game. So you've had the good fortune. You've been blessed to play for two really good position coaches, Michael Petrie last year and Denarius now. What's it been like with Denarius in the quarter or the uh, running back room? Uh, it's been it's been great. We've had some we've had a ton of fun. I think um, just Coach Petrie, obviously, you know, he was coming in. He was he he knew about the running back position already and all that. So. Um, he was a great coach, uh, but with Coach McGee, like he said, you know, he's just been he's been he's done he's done really well learning. Number one, like there's there was I remember when he came in, he was definitely a quarterbacks coach, and there were some things that um, he would be pointing at. There was like, well, yeah, that's important, but let's look at this part. And now he's like he's really dialed in on all of it. He's doing super well, and it's just and it's really cool to honestly be coached by you know Bobcat legends himself. So it's pretty it's pretty sweet. And, Isaiah, how has uh, Coach McGee helped you transition from high school ball to the college level. Um, I feel like he's um, he's helped me a lot with them um, transitioning from high school to high school to college. And like I remember, we had a team running back dinner in the summer, and he was just telling like all the newcomers like that like everything goes by quick. So like you guys just need to adapt and everything. And I felt like when like we were struggling with that, he helped us tremendously. And the transition from high school football to college football is not an easy one, but you have made it look easy. You came on the scene pretty quickly. How did you get adapted so fast? Just by spending, like, extra hours in the film room, just, like, more one-on-one sessions when I didn't get things with um, the coaches and stuff like that. What, in your observation, has been the biggest change from uh, from high school football to college football? I feel like definitely the speed of the game has been a big change from high school. And also, like, just like the strength of people and like how much like how much time you spend scouting out your opponents. How have teammates like Logan, other guys in the locker room helped you transition and get acclimated to this level? Uh, my teammates helped a lot. Like I remember coming in, like I looked up to like guys like Logan, Tyler Nate and Carl and just like they took me under like their wing when I was like struggling in the summer and stuff like that. So I feel like they've helped me a lot. How would you describe the culture, the environment, the day-to-day life in the locker room? What's that like? I love it. I love being around the team. Like, everybody's so friendly, and it's just, like, a great environment to be around. Tell me about your high school career a little bit, because you dominated your your league, your opponents. I mean, what, 44 touchdowns last season as a high school senior? That's unworldly numbers. Tell me about your high school career. High school was fun. Like, Bellevue, like, it was like a close-knit family, and, like, we spent almost every minute like whether it was in practice or out of practice with each other. So it was a great bond. So coming here, like having that same kind of bond, like made it like really easy and fun. Tell me about your family. My family? Yeah. Um, I have two two brothers and one sister. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. What kind of influence have they had on you? Um, they just drive me and like push me to work hard in like anything I do. So they've been good motivation. And how have you enjoyed your experience so far in Bozeman and uh, Montana State? I love it. It's fun. How's it's, it? How's it matched your expectations? How's it been different from what you expected it might be? Um, I think it's a bit colder than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> but either than that, like when I came on my visit and stuff, like I saw everything, I liked it, and I was just ready to go from there. Well, guys, we appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us. I know you two will be back up here with Coach Cho in a little bit. But let's thank these guys for being here. Denarius McGee, Isaiah Fonse, and Logan Jones. We'll talk a little volleyball when we come back from the Club Tavern and Grill. This is Cat Chat from Learfield.
Cat Chat rolls along live from the Club Tavern and Grill, the official home of Cat Chat every Wednesday night at 6.30. Be sure to catch Bobcat Insider Television Show tomorrow night. It's at 9.30 on your local Fox station. Montana State Volleyball is back at home this weekend. They host Southern Utah tomorrow night, Northern Arizona on Saturday. Joining us are head coach Daniel Jones along with a sophomore from Vacaville, California, Libby Christensen, and a sophomore from right here in Bozeman, Allie Lynch. Guys, how are you? We're good. Doing good. Yep. So, Coach, uh, let's talk about the last few days. A tough one Friday night, Northern Colorado, a team that is on the rise. Uh, yeah. They played really well in that match also. What are your takeaways from Friday night? They played really well. We didn't play really well. <laughs> okay. Let's move on it's, from it's pretty simple. <laughs> no, look, I, I think for us, I, I said this on Monday at my press conference, I think um, you know, Northern Colorado, I think Northern Arizona, who we'll see on Saturday, and uh, you know, I think you can throw Sac State in that same mix. The teams who have been consistently good for a long period of time, and that's what we want to be. And to go out and face uh, Northern Colorado again and, and just see how consistently tough they serve and how well they pass uh, really showed us uh, some of our efficiencies and things to work on. And, and that's part of the process of where the program's at. You know, I, I think um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we, we've talked about our lineup being very um, flexible, let's say, over the last few weeks. And uh, you know, I, I think we got shown up just some of our inexperience playing out of position. And you have six matches left, so what work is there to be done before now and the uh, start of the conference tournament? A lot of work in the training room and uh, get, getting our girls healthy and, and getting them back, back to a position where we can run the rotations we want to run. Um, a lot of work on the court and just in terms of continuing to refine and, and, uh, and, and reinforce the, the habits and the, the, skill, the skill elements that we want to be strong in. And, and we saw that, you know, we've really focused on serving and serve-receiving on Monday and Tuesday. And we went out and had it, I thought was probably our best practice in a couple of weeks today in regards to serving and serve receiving. So as we, as we see the weaknesses, you know, you address them and then you hope to see the results on when it comes game time. And you've got a couple of sophomores here with you, Libby and Allie. What kind of season have they put together? You know, fabulous. I think, uh, you know, Allie's played more of a role this year than she did in her freshman year. And, and I couldn't be more proud of the, the uh, responsibility she's taken on as our, our, uh, one of our setters. And, you know, she's run the offense on several occasions this year just as we've mixed the, the lineup up. And, um, you know, I, I think she's done a great job. And then you look at Libby and the role she's stepped into. Uh, Libby came to us as an outside hitter out of, out of high school and has stepped into a role as a defensive specialist and really made uh, coming in for our right side and playing right back defense her own this year. And, and I just could be more proud of the effort and development she's put into her position. Libby, what's that been like transitioning into a different role as a sophomore versus your freshman year? Um, it's been pretty challenging, just uh, the mindset of coming off of an offensive player to a defensive player um, has been a big shift for me, but I've loved the challenge, um, accepted it, gonna make it my own, yeah. Allie, how about for you? Things have changed for you this year as well. Uh, yeah, so last year I was playing DS a lot, um, this year I've been setting it's been really good. Uh, it's good to play my own position again. So Coach Jones tells me that you guys are roommates. Yep. <laughs> What's that been like as you guys start being around each other more? Um, it, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's living with your best friend, so you really can't complain. Um, it's nice. We have two other roommates who aren't volleyball players as well. So, you know, our house doesn't just revolve around volleyball all the time, which is a nice break. Yeah, I'd say it's awesome. Like, it's super fun. I have 
all four of my best friends with me the whole time, all day, every day. Uh, so the two girls that live with, with us that aren't volleyball players are my two best friends from high school. So it's really nice to live with them and to live with my new best friends also. So which of you is the neat freak and which of you is the messier one? We're definitely neat freaks. Uh, sometimes our house gets a little bit disastrous, but... I wish that I'd bring that into the locker room. Yeah, it's funny. We're the cleanest at the, our house, but our lockers are definitely the messiest. My locker's definitely overflowing right now. <laughs> Why yeah. is it that way? How does it get that way? Uh, like, I have kids, and sometimes I wonder, where did all this stuff come from? So how does that, how does that happen? <laughs> you know, you're just rushing from class to class. Just got to throw your stuff on, go to practice real fast. How long does it take to fold a shirt? <laughs> Four seconds, five seconds? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did you guys end up as roommates? Um, I don't know. She lived down the hall from um, us last year. Uh, our other roommate also plays volleyball. Me and her were roommates last year. Um, Allie, uh, her roommate had to go home last year, so she needed a friend. We were her friends yep. and just ended up that way. Yeah, we just got really close last winter, and we stayed close since. So what are you guys studying? I'm studying bioengineering. I'm studying cellular biology and neuroscience. Way smarter than either of us. I, like, I, I'm, I struggle to get that one out. Bioengineering, I'm, I'm kind of okay with. You know, I, I think I've said this before. We've always got neat stories about different athletes as they come in. I remember Ali's uh, visit, and she was weighing up between Montana State and MIT and some uh, Ivy League <laughs> schools out east. And uh, we went and took her and met with the bioengineering department, and the, uh, we just sat there in awe as the bioengineering guy and Ali just spoke in this language that, that I can't comprehend. And I just said, hey, what I want you to do is set a ball, Ali. Do you think you can do <laughs> And uh, But no, just thoroughly impressed with, with both of these young women on the court and off the court. I think they do a fabulous job. It's a big weekend for the team. Tomorrow night you host Southern Utah at 7 o'clock. Saturday night it's at 7.30 against yep. Northern Arizona. Both matches in Schroyer Gym. Uh, first time around you beat Southern Utah at their place in four sets. Uh, what are your expectations out of the rematch tomorrow? Yeah, you know, I, I think they're, they're a rapidly improving team. A new coaching staff down there this year. Um, it's a program that not, has not had a strong winning tradition. Not too dissimilar um, from us over, over the last few years. Um, they're rapidly improving. They, they've got two wins in conference. You know, we've got a few more than that, thankfully. Um, we're in, sitting in seventh right now, and we're in, in the conference tournament if it was held today. Um, so our goal is, is to push forward and improve our seeding for the conference tournament. Um, I don't. I expect the the uh, you know to be a, a tough match on Thursday and a tough match on Saturday, but we're going out to win and and move up the standing so we, that we can secure a better seed for the tournament. Very good. Well, again, volleyball home tomorrow night, seven o'clock against Southern Utah, seven thirty on Saturday. So after the football game, just head across the street. Uh, you can maybe tailgate a little in between and take that into the uh, volleyball match on Saturday at 7.30 against Northern Arizona. Guys, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jay. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank we'll continue everybody. with Cat Chat when we, are, when we return. This is Cat Chat from Learfield. We're the world's most refreshing beer. 21 means 21. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Light, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We continue with Cat Chat. It is time for On the Grill. It is Coach Choke grilling the players. This one will be a fun one. Uh, there are no rules. There are few boundaries. Whatever is on the mind of Coach Choate is fair game. So we bring back Isaiah and Logan. Coach, they're all yours. All right. Well, okay. So uh, just <laughs> let me let me preface everything I'm about to say by I could I could really grill Logan, <laughs> but most of that cannot be. I think the FCC would have a problem with most of it. So yeah, we'd be getting uh, Yeah. So anyway. I'm going to start off with kind of a kind of a softball. We'll go with you first. Okay, so we have a we have a current football player, Colin Hammock, who is a finalist for the Rhodes Scholar. 
Okay. There's actually two students at Montana State University right now, one a female that's a biology major, uh, and, then, and then Colin, who's, uh, who's a finalist for the Rhodes Scholars. What, what prestigious award do you think that you could be a finalist for someday, Isaiah? <laughs> um, wow. Um, probably an award for science. I like it. I like it. There you go. Like how? There you go. There you go. Yeah, like what, what are you doing with science? No, 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 Logan, this isn't your show. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. Right. <laughs> Although next year we are going to call this Cat Chat with Logan Jones. So, Logan, same question. What prestigious award do you think you may someday be a finalist for? Honestly, can't say, but... I like, can't say because of restrictions and boundaries, like you said. <laughs> <laughs> We have a time limit, Logan. Oh, <laughs> wake surfing on Flathead Lake, if that comes down to it. Yeah, I don't know if that's a prestigious award or not, but thank you. Thank you for sharing there. Might be. Uh, yeah. Trophy for it. All right, so another, another one, kind of easy one for you. And I'll start with you on this one, Logan. What's your favorite non-football-related activity? Um, I would probably say fly fishing. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and you, Isaiah? Um, I like bowling. Bowling. No There's some on TV right there. There you go. What's Bowling. your score? What kind of score you get? 200? Once. Once. Got a 200 once. Okay. We're working oh, for a 300 good. game. Mm -hmm. All right. So your mom, I've had the opportunity to meet her a number of times. So you think, you, you, how would you describe, I mean, Isaiah's running style is definitely physical and tough, right? Okay. What does your mom do for a living? Um, she's a correctional officer. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that says a lot about, about Isaiah right there. You don't mess with his mom, and he learned that at a young age. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I could definitely say he probably learned some of that toughness from mom, right? Yep. Good deal. Sure. Good deal. And so, Logan, I know you actually lost your mother, and that was, uh, that was a tough moment in your life, and, and you've, uh, you've had to work through some of that type of stuff. Um, you have a very strong relationship with your dad. What are some of the things that, uh, that you remember about, you know, growing up uh, in, in the Flathead? What, what are some of the things you remember when, as a young kid? Oh, there was this game you could play, and it was called Cops and Robbers. And, like, older seniors would drive around in their cars trying to chase you around and catch you, right? And you would have to run from Glacier High School to Flathead High School. That's just one thing I remember. It was pretty fun. And if they caught you, they threw you in your car, and nothing would really happen. They'd just take you back to the school. But it was kind of fun. I had I no idea that. I was going to take that kind of twist. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the things you did. Yeah, so this one, so, you know, one of the guys that I have actually missed the most all year, you know, not having Logan around because Logan and I have kind of a love-hate relationship. And uh, it's, been, it's been awesome having him back. And uh, I know, uh, let me say this about, uh, about Isaiah. I mean, is there, is there a, a better representative for us, and, and I'm telling you right now, like I thought he was going to say the Walter Payton Award when I asked him that question, and I don't think that's out of this young man's reach. I mean, I think he's that gifted and talented. We're very lucky to have him here. And, uh, and, if, there's an, and if there's a young man, and I know he's a goofball tonight, but I'm going to tell you something right now. If there's a young man in our program that's matured any more in the three years that I've been here than Logan Jones, I'd love to see him. He's grown up a ton. He's started to, to become a leader in our program, and, and uh, I'm really proud of both of these young men. So... Let's keep rolling, boys. Thanks, Coach. Well, guys, thanks for being good sports. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank we you. will wrap it up when we come back. This is Cat Chat from Learfield. Wrapping up with Cat uh, Chat here with head coach Jeff Choate, live at the Club Tavern and Grill. Montana State getting set to host Cal Poly on Saturday. Want to make a quick note. 
This is the next to last Cat Chat. Next week is the final Cat Chat because there will be no program the week of the Cat Grizz game. Scheduling conflicts being what they are, men's basketball actually plays the Wednesday night before the Cat Grizz game at Colorado State, so we'll be on the air with that game. So next week will be the final Cat Chat of the season. Uh, Coach, I want to ask you about the, the men we had on earlier. First of all, I know you think highly of Denarius McGee. You brought him back to Bozeman. Quarterbacks coach last year, transitioned to a different role this year. How has he matured as a coach? Yeah, I think, you know, he's a student of the game. I mean, he wants to... Daenerys is the same person he is as a coach that he was as a player. Ultra competitive, very hard on himself, extremely demanding, um, intense. I've never, in fact, it's funny because when I got to know Daenerys, I was like, you know, typical quarterback, laid back, everything. I mean, that dude is way more intense than most quarterbacks are. I mean, most quarterbacks don't have that level of that level of intensity, and so um, I think he's been a great fit in that room. Um, he, he's been awesome, man. I mean, you know, even when I, when when we went through the coaching change, I, I sat him down. I said, hey, listen, clearly I know that you can coach quarterbacks. Clearly I know that you can do receivers. What I need you to write, do right now is to hang in there with this group in this running backs room because what we don't want to do is screw three or four groups up by making one change. And so that's why I inserted myself in the wide receiver room, let Matt be the voice with the quarterbacks. And, and he's like, coach, I totally get it. I think it's the right thing to do. And and I, I need to get better at doing my job. And, you know, he's he's, he's been amazing. And we talked about it with Denarius, Coach Orfe and Denarius both had the NFL experience. Michael Petrie did it last year. You've had a few guys who have participated in this. From a head coach's perspective, watching these guys now as assistants, what influence does the NFL experience have on them? I think it's eye-opening for them. I think that, you know, they may think, you know, I'm demanding and asking a lot from them, and then they go and do that, and they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> um, you know, those are those are pretty intense rooms, and you better know what you're doing, and uh you know, the players are pro- they're professionals. They they study the game at the at a higher level than most college coaches do, and so uh, they they know what you better know what you're talking about, and you better be able to help them. And that's the whole thing at at, at the NFL level, and and I and I experienced this at, at the SEC and the Pac-12 level too. Elite players they don't care, they don't care, I mean, they don't care if you're male, female, black, white, orange, blue, purple, whatever. Can you make them better? And if you have something that can add value to their experience and make them a better player. They're all, they're all ears, and so those guys bring those things back, and our kids in our rooms are the same way. Well, again, Montana State hosts Cal Poly on Saturday. Be sure to join us for our broadcast all across the Bobcat Sports Network and on the TuneIn app on your smartphone. Jason Alvin, Dan Davies, and I will take the air with our pregame coverage starting at 1 o'clock. That's all for this week's program. Don't forget the Club Tavern and Grill always has the Bobcat game on, so if you don't have a ticket, come on down here on Saturday and enjoy the game with other Bobcat fans here at the club. Thank you so much to our Kinda and her staff, and also thank you to our guests tonight, Denarius McGee, Logan Jones, Isaiah Afonso, Daniel Jones, Ali Lynch, and Abby Christensen, and also thanks so much to you for joining us. We'll talk to you on Saturday. Until then, this has been Cat Chat from Learfield. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.